You're listening to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast, the place for the kick-ass woman who needs a kick in the ass. Your host, Jen Rosenbaum, is giving you the tools to shed shame and live the biggest life possible. So kick off your heels, get comfy, and get ready to be the boss of your life. so excited to share with you guys today a conversation that I had with Tina Conroy. Tina is an amazing yoga teacher, a Reiki practitioner. Um, I've taken yoga classes from her. You'll hear all about that in our conversation today. Um, she is she works in my town at the Center of Wellness and Integrative Medicine slash Northwell Health, which you guys know I also do some writing for Northwell Health, um, so which is amazing. And she primarily works with women. She really helps them improve their mental and physical health and synchronize the mind-body connection. She's an intuitive energy healer. She's a medium, and she also hosts a podcast called the Intuitive Woman Podcast. So I had a great conversation with her. If you're interested in any type of spiritual practice, this podcast is definitely for you. Check it out and definitely be in touch with me or Tina if you have any questions about anything you hear today. Hey guys, I'm here today with my friend Tina. Hi, Tina. How are you? Hey, Jen. How are you today? Good. I'm always so happy to see your face. You're so beautiful inside and out and you have such great energy. So thank you for joining us today on the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast. Uh, I asked you um, to be on the podcast today because you actually, I don't know if you know this, but you were the first instructor that ever I ever took a yoga class with. <laughs> so yeah, I know her face just went, what? Um, and actually, I remember the, the moment because it was at practice here in Roslyn and um, your classes, I just remember it started with legs up the wall. I had never done that before. I know that that's like, you know, the Tina thing. That's your thing. And it's not just your thing, but I associate you with that. And uh, you really guided me and you were, your energy was so great. And at the end of the class, you, I, you definitely don't remember this, but you came over to me and you said, is this the first time you ever did yoga? And I said, yeah. And you said, well, you're a natural. You should stick with it. And I have to tell you, it was life-changing for me because I always, like, I'm super short and not flexible. And I always had in my head, like, I can't do yoga. I can't do yoga. I can't do yoga. And it was just that moment of like putting myself out there and going, well, maybe I should try it. And you responding to that energy and being like, no, you can do it. And you didn't even know you did it. And I wanted to just tell you that story, start the podcast that way. Wow. So I never knew that. So thank you so much for sharing. And I feel so grateful that I was your first introduction to yoga a lot of times we just never know as yoga teachers who that first person is and the impressions that we make. So that means so much. And I don't remember that, honestly, but it's interesting because usually when I, if I even say that, it's not so much about the asana or the poses, it's the energy of somebody being open to it. And that's probably what I imagine that I I felt because the yoga is so much beyond touching the toes and getting bendy and flexy and flying all over the room that some yogis do. It's being open to being able to try new things and experience new things. So thank you for sharing that. I never knew that. Yeah, you're very welcome. Very cool. So I want to, like you just, what you just said hit on so many things for me that I want to address. But first, before we do that, can you just give us a little introduction as to who you are and what you do? And then we'll dive deep. Sure. So I, I'm the host of the Intuitive Woman podcast, and I've had the podcast for about two years, but I've been on radio and podcast for about six years at this point. And I teach yoga regularly at the practice, which is also now called the Center for Wellness and Integrative Medicine in Roslyn. I, my passion really is working with women. So I've pivoted my business a bit to work with women to create 
the clarity and to develop their intuition. So I, through my Reiki healings, through readings, intuitive guidance readings, I do that in person and I do that, you know, through Zoom. So I have a lot of clients all over the country and working with them one-on-one for transformation. So I would say that women come to me, the women that come to me are already spiritually minded. They're not they're pretty open to spirituality already. It's not foreign to them, but they want to dig deeper and they want to go deeper for themselves. They might be going through a transition. They might be going through a crisis, um, many different things. And then there's also women that want to learn this skill. So want to deepen their intuition for perhaps, and also learn Reiki because I also uh, certify people for Reiki. So I have like two different women, but they're all one and the same. So some want it for them for transformation and others want to learn it and then pass it forward and, and create a spiritual business. Before we dive deep, can you tell us a little bit about Reiki, what Reiki is? Because I bet a lot of people don't even know. Absolutely. So I think Reiki is getting more popularity, but it definitely is. What is that? I'm not sure what that is. How do you spell it? How do you say it? So Reiki, the the word itself is spelt R-E-I-K-I. And I break it down into two words, ray like the sun and ki, which also is the energy force. So in Reiki is from Japanese. It's a Japan culture. It's a hands-on healing modality. And so a lot of people have heard of acupuncture at this point, Acupuncture is an an Asian and um, Chinese medicine where Reiki is Japanese. And so where acupuncture uses needles to move the chi through the body, Reiki uses the hands. So it's hands-on. And some practitioners will be literally hands-on, like gentle touch, no manipulation. So that's the other thing. A lot of people will say Reiki massage. It's not massage at all. It's just light touch hovering, and the hands stay in in particular positions. Reiki works on the chakras, which are energy centers. And so a Reiki session could be approximately 40 minutes, one-on-one, you lay on a massage table, the lights are low, the music is playing, and the practitioner starts with the head and moves to the feet. And so I like to think of it that we're all made of energy. And so when you receive a Reiki treatment, you're receiving energy from universe, divine, light, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's universal. And it allows your energy to rebalance. So think of like a, a hose of water, like a water hose, and there's a kink in the hose. And when you unkink it, the water flows flow, uh, freely. But if it's kinked, it's blocked. So we walk around with blockages. And sometimes we don't even know. It may be physical pain blockage. It might be emotional pain. It might be something from childhood. It might be a trauma. And so the Reiki allows that to flow through the body from the top of the head to the feet. And at the end of the session, there's rebalancing, there's calmness, there is a lot of peace. So it's hard to explain. That's pretty much it. I could go on. But a lot of times I'll say to people, just try it, see how it feels. And you can fall asleep and the Reiki will work. You can chat to me the entire time and the Reiki can work. Your mind can be busy and the Reiki can work. So you don't have to do anything, which I think is hard because everybody wants to do something. You're just allowing and receiving. Mm. I think that that's great. And I, you know, so I am Reiki certified. I'm level two certified. Um, so I understand it and I believe in it. And, you know, I do see it more and more in the medical industry, you know, especially like, um, you know, I'm being treated at Sloan um, and they do offer Reiki sessions there. Um, I know that a lot of surgeons now, I have friends that are surgeons that are doing Reiki in the operating rooms, you know, while the surgery is going on. So, I mean, it is definitely something that's becoming more accepted by the medical community. 
community. However, um, you know, you say that that Reiki is um, relaxing and it's, uh, you know, calming, but there are moments that Reiki is not unicorns and rainbows. Yes. Well, that is true because what happens is there may be uh, a part of the body that we're, the person is holding a lot of tension or holding a lot of, of uh, emotion. And so what happens is as they hold emotion, as they hold tension, or they may not even know it. Um, and as a Reiki practitioner moves their hands to that particular area, it can bring up a lot of emotion. So one example is the heart center. And I work predominantly with women. It's just become part of my community and part of my tribe. And so women hold so much in their heart center. It's it's a place of love. It's a place of compassion. It's a place of forgiveness. But it's also the place of betrayal. It's a place of loss. So if I move the hands to the heart and they're going through a divorce or a breakup or a loss or anything like that, all of a sudden it feels like, oh. And so everything sort of comes to the top and it can feel uncomfortable. But I always say, I had this wonderful teacher years ago, and it's like the, the phrase was issues in the tissues. So we hold issues in our tissues, which is tissues of our body. And so if we don't get those issues out, it can create unwell, you know, unwellness or unbalance. So we want to release that. So I always say to my clients, if an emotion comes up, if you feel like you're going to cry or be upset, let it out. It's okay. You're in a safe space because we want to let those emotions out. It's almost like putting the, remember the old Alka-Seltzer, you put it in a physics to the top. Mm-hmm. We want that to come out. We want the body to release that. So then the body can have that state of uh, peacefulness and balance. So you're right. There is, I always think the first Reiki treatment most people get is sort of a baseline. It's like peeling an onion. It's like, oh, that was nice. I'm not really sure what happened, but it felt pretty good. And I think I'll come back. Mm -hmm. And then maybe the second treatment or maybe the third treatment will uncover a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've had moments in Reiki where I almost feel like I'm, I'm hyperventilating or, you know, like I can't catch my breath. And then there's moments like we did a Reiki treatment last week. You did a Reiki treatment on me and I was like, bye-bye, I'm out. (laughs) Like I am just so beyond exhausted that it just, you know, it wasn't any of that. It was just super relaxing and I still feel it now. I'm still, you know, and, and I did it right before my daughter's bat mitzvah and, and everybody kept saying to me at the bat mitzvah, are you on something? Cause you're so relaxed. And I'm like, just Reiki, you know? <laughs> I love it. I love so it. It was, it was really lovely. Um, so there was something that you said about, oh, whole issues in the tissues. I love that. So I was, um, in a yoga class one day where the yoga instructor um, said to everybody, is anybody new here? You know, everybody raised their hand. This one woman raised her hand and she said, do you have any injuries? And she said, I have an issue with my hip. And uh, in the yoga instructor replied back, how's your relationship with your mother? And she instantly, we were all a little surprised because it was a room full of people and it was kind of a personal question. But the, the woman who said that her hip was bothering her instantly started crying and said, how did you know? And she said, just call your mother, work things out and your hip will feel better. And I mean, you could feel it. And you know, I had an experience today that I want to share. Um, As much as I love yoga, I've not been practicing anywhere near as much as I should since I've had my surgeries. And it's very difficult for me because downward dog and vinyasas are the hardest thing for me to do. And they're the thing you do the most in yoga. Um, But I went to yoga today. I decided, okay, you know what? It's time to start getting back. And even if I'm bad at it, at least I'm on the mat and I'm doing what I need to do. And at the end of the class, we did this chest stretch that was really hard for me. And I started crying. And I was like, oh man, like it's, it just goes to show like that the emotions are still there. But 
But the point I'm making is that we as women are both very good at acknowledging what our body does and both very good at blocking that and and trying to push it down and say no 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 don't, not today I, I can't deal with that today <laughs> and you know and I but but if you're really in in tune with what is going on on the mat or in Reiki or whatnot these things come up and it's a matter of I guess you know I, I guess I don't really know if this is a question here but I wanted to share that experience and um, maybe ask you, as women, how do we become more connected to the issues in our tissues and what's going on there? Yeah, that's a good thing. You know, the thing about it too is that energy doesn't lie. You know, the so when you have that experience, it it's it's the energy, it's the energy that's stuck there, it's the block that's stuck there. And energy will never lie. Energy is energy. And so I think as women, and I'll speak it as women, that for us to be more aware is some of the things that we don't want to do we should do. We just talked about this offline before mm-hmm. we got on. And also to be reflective. I'm a, you know, I have a, and I didn't always, but I'm a very big proponent of a daily spiritual routine. Obviously practicing yoga as well, physically going to the gym, all those wonderful things, but a daily spiritual routine because it's a reflective process. And it's difficult for us sometimes to, we can think about it and be a little aware of it, which is great. But I find if we can reflect on it, if we can have a journal or reflect on our experience, what we're going through at that point, and be able to look back and say, because we don't live in this bubble. We don't live in a 24-hour compartment. It's like this whole thing. So if you're going through whatever you're going through, it could be from big to small, that's a process that needs to be reflected in. And so I, I, one of the things that I work with clients, with women, is say, have a reflective process. You know, I know no one likes, everyone's like, oh, I don't like to journal or, but have something. Maybe it's a little, you know, pad of paper or a piece of paper in your, in your pocketbook. Reflect on how you feel. So that's a really, what you, what happened today, as much as it can be, you know, upsetting and uncomfortable, it's, it's, it's a lesson. It's a lesson that there is more there to uncover, to let go of. And so, there's two things you could do with that. You could never go back to yoga again and do any hard opening back bends, or you can say, "Well, wow, there's something more, and I need to I need to work with that." But y- you know, you was you're a little bit more aware and open. Not everybody is, so I would say reflect on that. Notice where are you holding back? Where do you feel things? You know, always start with feeling because the body again is always going to be what it is. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? Is it is it tightening? Is it pressure? Is it hot? Is it cold? You know, everyone has that. And then go from there. But reflecting, I think, I think that's a really good way to start, um, to just be open to it and notice where those things are. And then seek, seek help, seek, seek advice, seek a facilitator. Mm. What, what connects with you? Maybe Reiki doesn't connect with you. Maybe yoga does, but there are ways to move that through and, and open up more space in the body. Yeah, I think it's that's really good advice too because I think when things are good in life, it's super easy to be spiritual, right? Like you're like, oh, I meditate every day and I do yoga and I feel great and you're strong and you know it's easy to do it when things are good. When things are hard, it's so much harder. And you know, just today I was thinking about how I took my practice for granted prior to my surgeries because you don't realize how much strength both emotional and physical takes to get through a yoga class. And I could not get through the yoga class today. And I used to rock yoga like, you know, it was my job, you know, and, but I never really realized um, that 
it was it was hard because it wasn't hard at the time, you know. And now it it is a struggle. It's a big struggle for me, and it's it's hard for me emotionally even to get myself there. Although I'm committed to it right now, and you know, in those moments, I find as women in general, the times that we need to do something for ourselves spiritually, emotionally, physically. It's like the last thing we want to do. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. like we come up with a hundred excuses not to do it because it's uncomfortable, but we have to sort of live in that discomfort for change. You know, I want to speak to that because that whole idea of when things are good, you don't things are good, right? So it's like, oh, things are good and I don't need to. It's when things are exactly what you said, when things are challenging, is when we need it the most. And I'll remember early on in my career, I think I was just in pretty much just teaching yoga. And my, my yoga teacher who trained me said to me, if you ever go through, we had this, which was such a great ritual. So we had this ritual as a yoga teacher when training, uh, I was an eight month program that every day we had to roll our mat out and sit five minutes on our mat. And so everyone's like five minutes on your mat, you know, but the point was, was to make the connection to roll out your mat, to show up for yourself and to sit. Now, usually you would sit more than five minutes, you know, but it was the point of doing that. And it was showing up for yourself. The whole point of it was every day showing up for yourself five minutes. And let me tell you, we would come back after the weekend and how many people did it? And like, oh, I didn't do it, you know, but it was like the showing up for yourself. She said, now you do it in the good days and the bad days. And in the bad days is when you need to do it more. So get the mat out. And years later, I went through a really difficult period of time and I remember just struggling with getting myself to yoga. And I actually would not go to yoga class because I would break down and cry. Like I just couldn't even enter. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a teacher and I'm in the back of the room and all this. And I, would, I was like, you know what? I hear her words. I hear Suzanne's words. I'm going to roll out that yoga mat. And I'm going to get on the mat. And I rolled out that yoga mat and I would cry my eyes out. And I would sit in child's pose or I'd lay in Shavasana or maybe I'd do nothing. I couldn't even do anything but it connected me to a sacred spot and it connected me to my spirit. And I was able to just like, just roll out the mat, Tina, just roll out the mat. And so that's huge. What you just said, it's, it's a big thing of taking care of ourselves as women. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that you say that you cry in yoga because I do it often. And I'm always like, why isn't anybody else crying? What's happening here? You know, that's when I remind myself, stay on your mat. It's only about what's happening on your mat right now. And, you know, I've started taking a lot of hot yoga. So, you know, I just pretend like it's sweat and it's all good. Uh, but yeah, I find certain things like pigeon pose. The second we start opening the hips, the tears come or, you know, anything with the chest. It's just, it's just so crazy. But I try to I really try not to fight it and embrace it and go, okay, well, what is behind this? Because like you said, sometimes it's, you don't even know what it is. It's just something that could have happened years ago that is just manifesting itself that way. Yeah. And you know, before we were talking about that yoga teacher, that uh, the woman talked about her hip and mm. she went in. I don't know if that's the right approach to kind of publicly say what's going on, but as a energy healer, there are areas in the body that hold information. So I would never say, oh, Jen, your hip hurts. I think it's this. Mm -hmm. Unless you really get to know someone and you, because you don't want to diagnose the person or make it feel like it's their problem. Like, oh, you have this thing. So this is, it's your, this is your fault or you brought it on. That's mm -hmm. not ever that. But the hips are what they call the closets of the soul. And the, the hips hold information. And this is generally speaking. So yeah. some people might be listening to this. The hips hold the things you want to hide from yourself. And they also hold a lot of relationship stuff. So that's that. The knees, like anyone who comes to me that has... And again, I don't say this to them like, oh, you have knee stuff. This is what's going on. But it, 
as an energy healer, it gives a little perspective for me that it may be something going there. The knees are about standing up for yourself, like standing up, being powerful, taking your next step forward because knees, you need the knees to walk, right? Your shoulders, this is an interesting one, which I love is your shoulders are your woulda, coulda, shoulda. Like mm-hmm. I should have done that. And I should have done that. Like all the people and then you'll see people with their shoulders way up to their ears They're They live in regret. So mm-hmm. again, I can go on through the body part and it's not so much that I'm like, Oh, she has that. So she did this to herself. It's not about that. It's the body holds information and the body holds energy. And then from there, we use it as a prescription, not a prediction to kind of guide to help to release that part. So, mm-hmm. you know, that whole thing, what the yoga teacher said is, is true. I don't know if I'd say that in a public forum, but it's, she knew a lot about energy and, and it's interesting how we hold it. And so pigeon pose is a very uncomfortable pose for a lot of people. The hips bring up a lot of stuff that we don't want to see. I mean, look, I don't want to see a lot of stuff like who would want to. And so like, I know I have, there's certain poses that it really, you know, opens me up. It cracks me open. So it's that hesitancy of going there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, in, in full, um, disclosure during our session last week, you told me that I had a lot of blockages around my knees and I, you know, I don't know why it surprises me (laughs) because I know that, you know, uh, you know what you're doing and all that, but I was like, man, she really knows what she's doing. Um, I am struggling with a part of my life about standing up for myself and taking a next step forward big time. It's part of the reason why I came to you. And so when you told me that, I was like, of course, you know, like I'm not surprised. It didn't surprise me at all, but it it did um, reassure me that this is an area of my life that needs to be addressed for sure. For my health too, you know, because there's often times where we don't feel well and we can't explain it and we don't know why. And I just feel off or I feel tired or, you know, and there's no prescription for it or there is even worse, there is a prescription for it and we take it and it's really masking what's going on. So um, it's good for me personally to come to you and say, okay, give me that feedback and I, I'll know what to do with it. Right. And, and again, it's just being aware, you know, like we don't wake up every day, like you said, like unicorns and butterflies and like, oh, today. And I was like, I'm really tired. I'm really tired. And, you know, I have, I am always functioning under the moon. So the moon just, you know, the full moon just passed. And so I don't sleep well. I finally had a pretty good sleep last night, but I think it's just catching up. Mm -hmm. And I know my diet's off and I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's, there's always going to be something, right? And it's not, I don't want, it's not about beating myself up. It's being aware to be the best version of me, whatever that is. It's not about comparing and, and don't get me wrong. Do I do it? Absolutely. I think I would be sitting here and, you know, I am human, right? But I try so hard to say, okay, this isn't about being like this or doing like this. It's like, what's best for me in this moment? And what can I do? What's my best next right action today because I can get caught up in, and I live for many, many years of comparison and, you know, I'm not this, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't help us, you know, and again, it's a struggle. It's not like I have it all under wraps and, you know, I, I don't, you know, judge and judge myself really more than anything, but it's a work. And I, I say this to everyone, aren't we all like work in progress? Like I feel like putting a big, yeah, I put a big sign up, like work in progress. Like I just want to like put like, work in progress, you know, always healing, always work in progress. And, and just like, you know, the people that you teach and you facilitate and same with me, it's like, just because I might be on this side of the room, I'm learning just as much as you. Right. So it's not like I, I know it all and I'm up here. And if anybody ever says that to me, if any healer was like, I got it all taken care of, I'm like, run, 
run the other way. (laughs) Absolutely. I want to go to somebody that's authentic. I want to go to somebody that like has every day up and down that fights with their kids that doesn't have the most, you know, it's all not beautiful, you know? So we need to learn that too. And I think that that's a great point because as a yoga goer, it's, it's part of the intimidation of starting yoga is I'm going to go there and everybody's going to be in really good shape and they're all going to be vegan and they're all going to be beautiful and they're all going to be young and they're all going to be bendy and they're all going to be perfect. And I'm going to be in there with my short stumpy legs, you know, off of eating a hamburger and, you know, I'm not going to be able to do it like they do it. And, you know, I've learned over the years, I mean, one of my favorite um, lines is comparison is the thief of joy. And that's one lesson I've really learned so much from with yoga is that I can't compare myself to other people. I mean, there are women in those classes that are, you know, 75 years old, that are the bendiest people I've ever seen. And then there's people, you know, that can't even touch their toes and there's, you know, and it, and everywhere in between. And, you know, like I'm not bendy, but I'm strong or I was strong before my surgery. So I could, I could do a lot of poses that require strength. But if you ask me to touch my toes, I struggle, you know? So um, not comparing yourself and just keeping your eyes on your own mat and what you do. And know that if, you're, if you are really in a yoga class where people are dedicated to the practice, they're not looking at you either. You go and you do your thing and you don't have to worry about what other people think of you. Yeah. And also it comes with seasons and it comes with different times in your life. You know, there is a period in my life now that it's been happening for a couple of years that I can't do a headstand. Now, I, I mean, so let me physically say I physically could do a headstand and I can physically do shoulder stand. And I can physically do plow pose, but I had a condition a couple of years ago that suggests I don't do that. And so it's frustrating to me because I want to do that, right? Like I can do it. Right. Um, the mind can still do it even when the body can. Right. And, but I know that it's not it's not good for me. It's not healthy for me. And it's, it's, you know, from doctors, physicians, like you shouldn't do this. So it's a, I had to play with ahimsa, non-harming, right? So it's like, I want that. My ego wants me to do a handstand because I, I could do a handstand, right? Whatever that's going to prove or a headstand. It's it's anything like very upside down. And so that's it too, because when you practice yoga, you know, I think in the beginning when you come um, you're worrying about the poses and learning the poses and the flexibility. And then you're doing all the same poses over and over again for the most part. Then it goes deeper. Then it's like, oh, what am I bringing to the mat? Where is my mind going? Um, I really shouldn't be doing that today. I hurt my shoulder. Or for you right now, like I could imagine that chaturanga is a really difficult pose. Pretty much right? impossible. Because <laughs> almost impossible, right? And yeah. like, yeah. Or even triangle right? Because you have to, there's certain things. So I've worked with different women that have had reconstruction. And so I'll, you know, I have a few in my class on certain nights and then I always make sure like to not adjust their shoulder back. And, you know, I'll say, how are you doing today? And I know exactly that I have one woman that cannot lift her arm past here. She's mm-hmm. just never been able to do it. It's been years, but so I put your arm down. It's not necessary. Let's just get everything else here. So, you know, it's also finding the right instructor and the right teacher to know that what and you, this may change like six months from now or eight months from now, you might have more mobility. But right now it's being with what is now. Mm-hmm. I think that's always so hard for everybody because I could wake up today and, or I could tomorrow take a, you know, kick-ass yoga class and be like, oh my God, I'm amazing. And then like Monday be like, oh my God, I, and I don't do it anymore. Like I do push myself to some degree because I want to, I push in a way that's as helpful to me, but I don't, I try to really look back and say, do I want to do that today? Is mm-hmm. this going to serve me today? 
Mm-hmm. And it may not. So then I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think that that's hard for people like, like me, for example, who's a gym goer. I want to make sure I'm getting my workout, you know, not just doing yoga. And so sometimes we push ourselves to a place that the body's like, no, I told you no, and you're not listening. And that's how you get hurt. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, I don't, it's so funny because I have that, you know, for the pushing, like I look at someone like you that goes to the gym. I'm like, why don't I have the desire to go to the gym? Why? You know, and I'm like, okay, there's judgment again. There I am judging myself. Maybe I just don't love going to the gym. Is there something else that I can do that's, yeah. you know, because obviously you want to have a little bit more well-rounded exercise program. There's only also so much time in the day, but there's always that. So yeah, it's just being as kind to yourself as possible in the moment that you can be. Yeah, I know that women struggle with that. So much. Oh my, that's <laughs> so a whole fun. other episode we can go into, and it's yeah, really yeah. real. Yeah, it is really real. It is really real, and I think that um, you know, being able to open the conversation about that and talk about that, and you know, is really important. And you know, I like I said, I say to my friends all the time, you know, I'm going to yoga. You want to come with me? They go, Oh, I hate yoga. I go, Then you should come. <laughs> you know, it's what you need. Um, but you know, we try not to do the shoulds, but I, it is it is so true. So I appreciate you sharing all of that with us. Is there any like little piece of advice that you can give somebody that is listening to this that says, I'm, I'm, I, I want spirituality in my life, but I don't even know where to begin. It feels very overwhelming. Sure. I would love that. So I asked, I think the best way to start is if, if they're open to it, if they're asking that question, right? So I think first it has to be, are they asking that question? Do they want it? Right. So no one can push this on anybody. And if they're at least asking that question, I always say there's something within them. I'll call it like inner voice. You can call it spirit. People can call it whatever, but let's just call it inner voice. There's that inner voice that's saying, how do I connect? I want something. I'm not sure how. So right there, that's where it starts. So what I would suggest, and I think it's a good exercise and a simple exercise is if you have that question, see if you can just sit anywhere. doesn't matter. It has to be anywhere. Close your eyes, place your hands on your heart. I know that's, it might feel a little strange to people, but literally place your hands on your heart. I'm just kind of showing. I know the listeners can't see. Place your hands on your heart. Close your eyes. Take a few breaths. Doesn't matter how you breathe. Breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth. Doesn't matter. And then like connect to this part of yourself. I always think it's the heart center. Most people do. And connect and feel that place. And I do this a lot in my classes. I'll say to people, close your eyes and place your hands on your heart. That place that's within you, that's that quiet place, but it's also a place that's a knowing place. It's also a place that feels like your best friend. That's when you're really busy, busy you can't hear it, but when you're quiet, it, it's there. That's your spirit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it spirit. Other people might call it, but let's just call it spirit. Mm-hmm. That part is the part that's asking you to do more. So from so just see if you can connect to that part, mm. even a little bit to just say, oh, I know where that is. Like if I said to you, Jen, close your eyes and connect to your heart center, that inner part of you that you know is always there, not, o- not always easy to hear or feel. How does that feel to you? It usually feels usually, right? And there might be some emotion behind it, but it's usually like, oh, that's it. Oh, that's me. That's where I am. Mm-hmm. It's at that point in yoga sometimes where at the end of class, you're like, wow, I've come home. Mm. I feel good. Like nothing's changed from the hour before you walked in that room, but you just feel better. Mm. So I would start there. And then 
I really am a big proponent. Here I go. Daily spiritual routine. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important. So start out really super, super small. Start out, find a place that you can sit in and get your smartphone. Most people have a, you know, a phone at this point. Put on an app, five or not even an app. Put on a five-minute timer. Close your eyes for five minutes. I always say like, take five. Like we used to say that to kids, like take five, go into the corner, like take five. And so five minutes, put it on your timer, five minutes, sit still, put your hands on your lap, close your eyes. If you can't close your eyes, keep your eyes open, look down at the ground, take five minutes. See if you can challenge yourself by doing that every day for five days. Because anybody can do anything for five days, especially five minutes. Mm. In those five minutes, see if you want to do that a little bit more than five days, then six days and seven days. And then we can add on from there. But I think a daily spiritual routine will connect the person that's looking and seeking to connect to their spirit and start that relationship. Because the relationship is there. You just have to reconnect the relationship. So you haven't said the word. I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. Meditation. Meditation. I know. I'm trying to avoid that. I know. So I think, it, I think it gets a bad rap because I think people hear meditation and they go, oh, I don't know how to turn off my brain. That's what I hear all the time. And I'm always like, no, it's not about turning off your brain. It's about refocusing your brain and refocusing where your, you know, your energy is. It's just the opposite of turning off your, your, your brain. So um, can you talk about that a little bit? I will. And I love that you said that because I say that in every meditation class that I teach uh, in person. So meditation is not meant to turn off your brain. Your brain is made to think. That is what it was born to do and is going to continue to do. But like you said, when you meditate, and there are different ways to meditate, when you meditate, you're focusing on something else. So guided meditation, which I record often on my podcast, you're listening to my voice. You're in a comfortable position, lying down or seated. And in it's not that the thoughts are going to go away. Your thoughts are going to come and your thoughts are going to go. But if you continue to listen to that guided meditation, it's going to keep you focused on that. And yes, you may go, oh, I'm hungry. Oh, what did she just say? Oh, I have to cook dinner. Oh, oh, I have to drop something off. So I like to refer to it as you're in the kitchen cooking and in the background, you have the television going on and it's a program and you don't really know what the program is, but you can hear people talking and you're, you know, you're cooking and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, what are they? And you really start to tune into the television and then you come back to cooking the vegetables and then you go back to the TV. So it's almost like the front of your brain is listening to the meditation. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the back is it's going to constantly go back and forth, but more you do it, it's like training a puppy or training, it's training our, our brain, our mind. So muscle, just like everything else. Exactly. And there's so many different kinds of meditation. I think for everybody, most people should start with guided and some people can stay with guided their entire life. Guided will take you into a visualization, into a scene. And even if you have trouble following along for those couple of minutes, there's a couple of things that happen that I think is important for people to know. So when you meditate five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, doesn't matter. Scientifically and uh, physically, what happens is your heart rate slows down. So this, if they, if they cooked you up to a monitor, this would happen. Your heart rate slows down, your cortisol levels lower, right? So you don't have so much like running around and you're in a more peaceful state. So most people, they've done a lot of scientists, like, you know, hook people up and done a monitor. It's like the blood pressure, the, um, you know, all those things that are happening. So meditation truly does allow those things to happen. Mm. And the more that happens, when the body can feel that, when the body can feel, 
oh, cortisol mm. is lowering. Oh, heart rate's lowering a little bit. They don't know it. They're not thinking of it and go, these things are happening, but they're happening. And then the body feels that and the body wants more of that. Mm. Yeah. It's about being sort of addicted to a good thing, <laughs> you know, yeah, right? Like your exactly. body, like retraining your body to say, this is good for us. And yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So tell us, uh, you mentioned your podcast. Um, for those who do want to start a meditation practice and hear more from you, where can they find you? Thank you. So the Intuitive Woman podcast. And right now I've been doing a series of meditations. So anywhere from eight minutes to 13 minutes of guided meditation, each one has a theme. And I just suggest the listener to sit down or lie down, put their headphones in if that works. If not, they could just put the speaker on and obviously don't drive with it. And allow yourself to find the meditations that you know perhaps you like best. So I have a library of meditations. I think at this point I have 160 episodes. I just check that out because it's wow. been a couple of years. Not all will be meditation. So look through the ones that you want to uh, that will say meditation, and and begin there. Begin there. I, I'm happy to say that I just. Uh, one of my favorite apps is Insight Timer. I've been using the timer for many, many years. And I just put up one of my meditations. It's the Aura Meditation. It teaches you how to expand and contract your aura. Mm-hmm. And that's on Insight Timer as well. But you can just go to uh, my website or the Intuitive Women Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, you know, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, all of those. And what is your website? TinaConroy.com. Awesome. Thank yeah, you so much for joining me today, Tina. It's always so good to see you. And I think that you know, you're definitely helping all the women that have listened. And if you guys have any questions, reach out to me, reach out to Tina. Thank you for listening today. Thank you so much, Jen, for all that you do. Thanks for listening to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast. If you loved what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes so that more women can learn to live a badass life. To learn more about this movement, go to shamelesslyfeminine.com and join our Shamelessly Feminine Facebook group. Until next time, go out there and be the boss of your life.